Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of the Sports Gospel Podcast. It is our favorite episode of the year, your favorite episode of the year, America's favorite episode of the year. It is our NFL mock draft spectacular. I love doing this episode. I put way too much time and research into it, but this is fun for me. Shannon and Kevin do it more begrudgingly, but it's a good bonding experience for the three of us. I see two-thirds of us have seltzers on the video screens. The the smartest two-thirds of us clearly are drinking seltzers, and mine is the uh, blueberry pomegranate, delicious, refreshing, antioxidant-filled Vizzy hard seltzer. That is Vizzy. The unofficial Vizzy sports podcast. I have I have to send you a link there, and I uh, I saw an article of a guy who got a Super Bowl party sponsored by Bud Light, and so it gave some good steps on what you need to follow to get your sponsorship rolling in. But he got like a giant vinyl sign and stuff from Bud Light to hang in his house for the party with his friends. So, can can we take to that, work on? Can we take that one step further? So Shannon is house hunting right now. Is there a chance we can get his house or like at least his garage wrapped in busy signage? Like I think that should door? be doable. So what I've what I've learned in my research is you don't like actually talk to Vizzy or in their place Coors. You got to go to your regional local distributor, which was by state or half a state or whatever it is, and you talk to them and they handle the marketing. So you got to find out who does that for Portlandia and whatnot, and then uh, that's who you talk to. There's our project for next week's episode. By then, we will be the official Vizzy Sports Podcast. So the way this works, we're just going to do the first round. As much as I tried to talk these guys into doing a seven-round mock, just going to do the first round here. We're going to take turns rotating between the three of us, and we are going to view this. We're treating this as if you were the GM in charge of that team, what would you do? We're not picking what they're going to do. We're We're picking what we think they should do. So it's a slight variance. And Shannon is on the clock with the first overall pick. He gets the Jacksonville Jaguars. And for the first time in a while, it doesn't feel like a lock. It felt for like several years we knew it was going to be this quarterback. This year's first overall feels like a bit more of a toss-up. As we get into this, there are a lot of picks I want to spend some time talking about and analyzing. So I'm going to save some of my time for later. Let's get number one off the board. The Jaguars take Aiden Hutchinson, Michigan. Very solid pick. Makes me sad, but very solid pick. And and feel free to skewer each other on picks. Uh, really can't, really not much you can say against Aiden Hutchinson in this one. The Jags need everything, so you take the guy who feels like the best player on the board. It'd be a smart move. It seems to be uh, a fairly safe, safe pick that uh, gets you production, and doesn't seem like it would be something that if you look back in a couple of years and it'd be a bad bad move. So. If they're smart, play it safe, and it probably worked out pretty well as well. And that puts Kevin on the clock with the first Lions pick of the draft, the one they earned at the second-worst team. So the number two pick, the Detroit Lions, with Kevin as the GM. I like how you say they earned it. That's pretty fun. <laughs> um, for the Lions, I think Aiden Hutchinson would have been a great pick for them. I, I probably too much enjoy local guys going to uh to team so that trip from ann arbor to detroit would have been nice um looking at who they need their offense isn't great but it's it's i think livable for now because the defense is terrible so it has to be a defensive player um i think i'll still stick at that same position and then two guys to really go between trayvon walker has been kind of shooting up and you got Kayvon thibodeau has been talked about for a while and i will take mr trayvon walker of georgia to get the defensive line and hopefully boost that, that defense to, to help stop somebody at some point during the season next year. I'm always leery of guys who shoot up the board late in the process. I've liked Trayvon Walker. I thought he was maybe a teens to twenties guy, guys like him and Ahmad Gardner guys who suddenly in the last couple of weeks, just go flying up boards, always make me a little bit leery about where, where was this acclaim before that people are now suddenly flocking to them. I like Trayvon Walker. Uh, not quite sure where he fits in a modern NFL. Is he inside? Is he outside? If For the Lions, I think they need more of a thick body in the middle to fill things up, but seems to be a freak athlete who can do anything the Lions would want. I will say I've always been a little low on Kayvon Thibodeau compared to most people who have been going back to like last year. Um, there's probably no good reason for it, and that, that probably played a part into uh, me not going with him at that position. Um, that could be a very 
well pick, and I don't think he might be upset if they took him. Um, but I think Aiden Hutchinson would be the top if they could get him if he's not taken first. Um, but I think you got three defensive ends so to pick from and whoever they like the most, but we'll see. I am third on the board here with the Houston Texans, and you guys really left me in a good situation. The Texans, I would argue, uh, probably the least talented team right now. They need everything. You really really can't go long, wrong with any defensive player here, but I think first and foremost, they need some offensive line help, somebody to help play alongside Laramie Tunsil. And I'm going to go with one of the few human beings walking the planet who may be bigger than Laramie Tunsil. Give me Evan Neal, the offensive lineman out of Alabama, 6'7", 337. I think he becomes the other starting tackle on that team. I like him over Iki Aquonu. Uh, Tyler Linderbaum's great, but I'd have trouble taking a guard or center this high. If you can get Evan Neal, that massive human being, to be one of your offensive tackles, I think that goes a long way to protecting the future NFL MVP that is Davis Mills. I think that's an interesting pick here because you're going to have a couple teams coming up later that are going to be happy with what you just did there. Says the guy who gets the Texans second pick. Yep. I like the move in that there's only, I would say, two good offensive tackles that I would say are maybe game-changing in the draft, and you're not going to get one any later, much too far down the line. So if you think you need an offensive tackle, you need to take them now. And we all know the offensive line is a very important part. So, um, you know, it seems kind of high for him if you just think about him going number three, but I'm not upset about the pick. Shannon, back on the board at number four with the Jets, their first of two top ten picks. And I I do have both Jets picks, and – I'm I'm planning on this going my way. If you've watched the NFL draft for more than five minutes, you know it doesn't go your way. Uh, you're the Jets. You have a, a pretty good foundation in place on offense. The defense can get better. Sauce Gardner is the player I'm taking. He's on the board at four. I can't let him go. Um, there's plenty of talent on the edge later. I uh Thibodeau is here, but man, for Sauce Gardner to be available at four, um, that is, if you're the Jets and you get Sauce Gardner, you are cheering. Uh, not that the Jets fans cheer on draft night, but that would be a, a huge win for them. I'm a fan of his. I would be happy uh, if my team drafted him at any point in the draft. I I like Gardner too, but I'm very interested, and this may be tipping my hand to a future pick, seeing how this all shakes out. But this fascination recently with Gardner over Derek Stingley, people have seemingly been in love with Derek Stingley. The big thing was that his best year was as a freshman, and then the last two years have not been as great. But this this recent shift that Gardner has surpassed Derek Stingley as the premier cornerback in this class, I still think Stingley may be better, and I think will go higher. But it seems very, very interesting, two very different players that, depending on who you ask, people are in love with both, just two different camps. And going to number five, staying in New York, Kevin gets the Giants. So the Giants, um, I probably was going to take Evan Neal if he was available, which I thought he would be. But since he's not, um, you know, one thing with the Giants, their offensive line has not been very good. However, they do have one pretty good tackle, and they've gotten a number of new guys in the offseason. That's kind of decent. And so they have one offensive tackle spot left that would possibly give them a pretty decent offensive line. And if you're a bad team and you can make a decent offensive line, I think you got to go with it. So I'll take Ikeem Ikeemwaunu. Totally butchered that. But I'll take Mr. Ikeem, North Carolina State. Um, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau is still there. And I almost took him because they do need defensive end too. But I feel like if you have a full solid line all the way across, that would be – a huge win for a team that hasn't done a whole lot on offense for a number of years. Um, definitely upgrade already from last year, and it could go really well with a, a five good guys across the line. And that's why I said that earlier with the Texans taking Evan Neal, that uh, there's going to be teams happy that Iquanu, the Giants would love nothing more than to have Iki Iquanu fall that far. I don't think he makes it, but if he that far they're definitely going to be taking him it's equono feels like more the technical perfection guy compared to evan neal with the just the massive 
kind of reminds me of when you had Andrew Thomas and Tristan Wirfs a couple of years ago. People were flipping a coin. Two very, very capable guys, but that shine in different ways. And that brings me up to number six. This is where I think it gets really interesting because you have your first team on the board who could be looking quarterback. I'd be shocked unless somebody goes up. I don't think any one of the top fives looking quarterback. I think with the Panthers, you need a quarterback. You need a wide receiver for sure. A linebacker, an offensive lineman. Is Charles Cross that great? Is Nakobe Dean that great? The wide receivers. I don't love Garrett Wilson the way everybody else does. NFL teams love to reach for quarterbacks. That being said, I think the Panthers, and he may not be a reach. He may prove to be worth it, but NFL teams take quarterbacks early. Matt Corral, quarterback to the Carolina Panthers. For the record, I don't think Corral is the best quarterback, but I think he's the one who will be the first taken. That will get Twitter going if he gets picked at that spot. Oh, man, Darren, you're going to uh, you're gonna have so many new followers if that happens. I right. like it, though. Be bold. Exactly. I mean, worked for Kevin's Bills. They got EJ Manuel. He was fantastic. Christian Ponder, he got all kinds of great guys that were reaches yeah. in the first round. By Reaching for the teams. Teams will keep doing it, reaching for first-round quarterbacks. Now, granted, do I love Sam Howell and Kenny Pickett more? Yes, I do. People seem to love Malik Willis, but I think there's there's something there with Matt Corral that he feels like the most pro-ready right now, which is what I think the Panthers need. And I don't know how we gave Shannon all the New York picks, but he gets the second of the two Giants picks. We just saw Kevin give them Iki Akwonu on the offensive line. So the Giants are coming out of this, the best looking team right now. They got a premier tackle on the off or on the offensive line. And uh when you're a team that is this uh completely bare of talent, you have nothing, you take the best players. The Giants should take Kayvon Thibodeau here with the next pick. So he is now off the board. Thibodeau, all the tools you would want has the build that you'd want for a modern defensive end. The The big thing is the speed with him. I think Aiden Hutchinson's more of a bull rush power guy. Thibodeau's that quick first step speed. If he can get to TJ Watt or Bosa level, that would be amazing. The question with him is the, is he locked in and focused every play? That's what you hear is, is he the high motor guy and the passionate player? If he is, he could be a wrecking machine for them, but missed a few too many games here at Oregon, maybe scaring people off. But like you say, if, if Thibodeau's there, that's a huge gap for the Giants to get a premier tackle and a premier edge rusher. Back at number eight, Kevin's on the board with the Atlanta Falcons. And I would say if you're Atlanta, you are probably getting super excited to see that possibly Thibodeau could go to you at that spot. Um, they were last in sacks last season. The defensive line is not good. Um, there's a lot of not good going on with the Atlanta roster in my mind. Um, and I'm not sure if this is a smart idea, but I'm going to stick at defensive end, even though those big guys are gone, and take Jermaine Johnson of Florida State for them because I think they need somebody to fill in on the defensive line, someone that can pressure quarterback. Um, they need someone that can do that. And even though it's maybe a little bit of a reach for that, that's what they need. They need to start up front and get stuff going there. So I'm going to take him. That's a strong pick there. He's a good player, and, and they're another team that need help. I, th- I think we could see something here where the Seahawks would be looking at him uh, just to help them as well, and, and perhaps trade candidate. The Seahawks not getting Jermaine Johnson. Are they going to look to trade down? Does somebody want to come up and get a quarterback? So I think that's a strong pick for the Falcons there. You talk about the Falcons needing a lot, unless – I think they're in the race with the Texans right now for that first overall pick next year. I think Atlanta's worse than people realize. Unless Marcus Mariota has really reinvigorated himself during his time with the Raiders, and you have him and you have Kyle Pitts and you've got Grady Jarrett. I think the Falcons are on the fast track to the first overall pick next year. But if they can have Jermaine Johnson, they may have a building block for the future. DraftKings Draft really likes him. They had some interesting numbers on him today. I was looking at some of theirs, you know, top overall, top fifth, top five pick, top 10 pick, and DraftKings seemed very confident that Jermaine Johnson would be in the top 10, and I didn't realize people thought that highly of him. So maybe it isn't that big of a reach. But All right, down to me again at the Seahawks at number nine. Another team that I think is in that quarterback race, but I'm not going to give up my assertion that the Seahawks are going to end up with Baker Mayfield somehow when the dust all settles. That's a conversation for later in the show. 
But the Seahawks need a lot more than people realize. But first and foremost, it starts with the offensive line. I don't care who they're going to have at quarterback if they can't get the offensive line figured out. And I'm going to go with Charles Cross, kind of the feels like there's four offensive linemen for me at the top with two of them already off the board. Then you have Cross and Linderbaum. I think Seahawks need to get that blindside tackle situation figured out. And I think Charles Cross can be that guy. So give me the big offensive tackle out of Mississippi State to Seattle. I don't hate the pick. I, I think he's a good player. What uh, That might go back to, though, that trade thing that I had just mentioned is could Charles Cross be there at 18 or 20? So I wonder if trading back and landing him would be something they might consider to get some some picks added to that. People seem to be all over the board on this offensive lineman class. They're guys moving up and down the board, and depending on whose ranking you look at, very different takes on these guys. Shannon gets the Jets again for his third of three New York picks. He already got them sauce Gardner at four. What do the jets do at 10? Yeah, they're going to continue on the defensive side of the ball because they have some weapons on offense. They've surrounded Zach Wilson uh, with, with some good tackles uh, with some good linemen. You look at Elijah Vera Tucker, you have uh, George Fant who played well. And then uh, Makai Becton, just the, the brick wall, as long as he's healthy, um, you've got some playmakers on the outside. So going back to the defense, uh, Jordan Davis, if you've seen him as a as a human, uh, that's a large man in the middle of the line going up against the Bills, going up against the Patriots. Uh, Jordan Davis is the easy pick here, taking the best player available on the board to fill a huge gap on the defense. So as as I'm picking for the Jets here and what they should do, Coming out with Sauce Gardner and Jordan Davis, heck yeah, count me in. So uh, that's where we're going with the Jets. I I love that pick for them. Jordan Davis is one of my favorite uh, players in this class. He is a massive human being, 340 pounds at the ranking I'm looking at. If you have him and Quinn and Williams in the middle of that Jets defensive front, you put some pass rushers around them. Yeah, that And with Robert Sala coaching them, you saw what he did with the 49ers defensive line. If he can recreate that behind Quinn and Williams and Jordan Davis, you're sitting pretty for New York. I'm excited to see how he does in the NFL and that SEC championship game against Alabama. He was absolutely terrible, completely gassed by about the end of the first quarter, missed a lot of plays when he was out there standing around a lot, not doing anything much better in the championship game and other games. Um, you know, how many snaps can he play in the NFL? I'm imagining his conditioning will get better over the years and he'll be able to last a little bit longer, but that's probably the biggest the biggest issue is that even for other big guys you see in the league right now in the NFL, they can play longer than he's been able to so far. Um, I would expect that to improve, but just kind of see how, how he's able to do that over the next year or two. And before we get to Kevin with the first ever pick of the Washington Commanders, I want to recap our top 10 here. First overall, the Jaguars take Aiden Hutchinson, defensive end. The Lions, Trayvon Walker, the defensive tackle. The Texans, Evan Neal, offensive lineman. The Jets, Ahmad Sauce Gardner, cornerback. The Giants, Ikea Kwonu, offensive tackle. The Panthers, Matt Corral, the quarterback. The Giants, their second pick, get Kayvon Thibodeau, defensive end. The Falcons, Jermaine Johnson, defensive end. The Seahawks, Charles Cross, offensive lineman. And the Jets' second pick, Jordan Davis, the defensive tackle out of Georgia. And Kevin, with the number 11 pick, gets the Washington Commanders. The first ever pick for Commanders will be... Muted. Muted. Okay, now we're not on mute. Um, you know, they've been very bad in the secondary. They gave up the most second most touchdowns, something like that, this last year. They need help back there. I was anticipating of going with a cornerback based off of what I thought would be available. Oh, there's a dog talking. But I'm going to take <laughs> Kyle Hamilton because if he's still around at number 11, I think you have to go with who's the best secondary guy still out there, and I would say he is the best secondary guy left on the board um and that's that's kind of the big thing they need to work on that secondary so kyle hamilton notre dame to the commanders he's a great player you could look up his highlights if you wanted to go find his stats uh very very athletic what they're going to say is he didn't he didn't time well or run well or whatever at the combine and and or pro day that stuff really does not matter a whole lot um jamark the best pro day ever and and uh you see where that got him and teddy bridgewater had the worst pro day ever and he had a nice career uh the knee injury was unfortunate so pro days are 
are really irrelevant. Put on the film and watch Kyle Hamilton play. He's a difference maker in the secondary and and uh, solid pick there. I did I did not think that's where the uh, former Washington football team would go, Anders. But uh, I do admire the taking the available. You look at some people's analysis. Kyle Hamilton Hamilton was graded out as the best player in this entire class, which is interesting to think of for a safety. Not a guy who had a lot of publicity in college, but to be considered the best overall player. That's a great get at 11. So I'm on the board at 12. Bit of a sticky situation for the Minnesota Vikings. Thing, a team that I think desperately needs to get younger all across the defensive fronts. They also could use some offensive linemen, but I feel like we've kind of taken the top tiers of both of those positions. So maybe, maybe a bit of a reach here. A guy who feels like he's fallen down the board a little bit, but I'm still going to take him. George Karloftis, the defensive end out of Purdue, uh, kind of still new to football, a 6'4", 266, so a big bull rush guy as a defensive end. But I think he doesn't necessarily need to star right away for the Vikings. I think they can work him in, have him be a rotation guy, and then year two, three, four really become the star for them. I just think the Vikings need to get younger. I think they're a pretty complete team despite their performance. I think coaching was their biggest deal now that they have some fresh blood as a coach and you know, you still have to pay Kirk Cousins a several million, million, million dollars a year. So otherwise, I think the Vikings are a pretty good team. They just need to be younger and get some more depth. So I think George Karloftis fills that void at defensive end. As a Vikings fan, I would really like that pick. You know, and I like the, the analysis part of you don't need him to be out there every single play. Um, there's probably some times this last year that it looks like maybe he was taking the plays off when he was out on the field. But when he when he was full goal, very impressive player. And so if he can just be a rotation guy right away in the NFL, why he kind of works up and get to be that guy who can play at full speed every single play, um, that would be a great, great add to the defensive line for the Vikings. The NFC North is ripe for the picking if the Vikings want it. I'm a little irritated because I'm the next pick, and that's who I was going to take. Uh, he's a good player with a bright ups, uh, upside going to a team that's kind of garbage. Uh, would have helped them. They could have grown together. So uh, very disappointed you took him there because he's he's a really good player and a nice a nice one to get for the Vikings. And there you are, number 13 with the Houston Texans. We gave them an offensive lineman at number three, and here they are again at 13. And I'm, I'm torn because I still would have taken Sauce Gardner at three and had, a, had an offensive lineman available here. Uh, but since, since they took Neil earlier in the draft, you're not going to take another lineman here. So the, the Texans have a few options and I don't want to tell you everything that I'm thinking because I, I, I may want some of these players available later. So I'll tell you the two that I'm trying to decide between and it's cornerback. It's Derek Stingley Jr. And then it's Trent McDuffie. And my only reason for considering McDuffie over Stingley is recency bias. Uh, the last time we saw Stingley play, he, he wasn't very good. Uh, the last time we saw McDuffie play, he was a sophomore on a bad team, and he was a cornerback. Um, so that, that tells you that he can play. Well, then we look a little bit more into Stingley and realize he was hurt. He had an injured foot, and, and you're playing corner, and you got a bad foot. Um, that makes it really difficult. So they claim that he's healthy. Uh, the medicals check out. So uh, here at, at this pick for the Texans, uh, Derek Stingley, the corner out of LSU. And I still think Stingley is worthy of that number three pick for the Texans. So either way, cornerback is absolutely a huge need for the Texans. All right, Kevin, going down to the 14th pick, the Baltimore Ravens. So the Ravens, similar to my last team, is also terrible in the secondary. And part of that is because their their rush defense is pretty good. And so teams like to attack that secondary a lot. Um, they gave up, I believe, the most passing yards last season. Had very few interceptions. So that secondary is something really big to look at. Um, and, you know, I would say that Stingley and McDuffie are kind of a, an interesting look because I'm in agreement that Gardner is the better guy of the cornerback group and would be the first one to go. Um, and then the, the two and three guy, I think you can go back and forth of who you would want to take at that spot and who you think's better. And I was going to take McDuffie. Um, Stingley won the injury, as you mentioned, 
he had, you know, how healthy he's going to be. He seems to be running fine. Everything seems to be good there. Um, small hesitation from that. Um, but even the year before the injury, he looked disinterested lots of times. There'd be times that the person would be running down the field with the ball and he would look to make no attempt to want to try and tackle them. Um, and that has stuck with me. And now that's been, you know, a year and a half ago. Um, but that's kind of stuck with me. So I like McDuffie. I think he offers a lot. And I think he fits in really good with the Ravens like to do on defense as well. I just think he fits that unit better than Stingley does as well. Um, good tackler, um, guy who's going to come up and hit people. So I'm going to take Trent McDuffie, and that's who I would have taken even if Stingley was still available. We need to, at some point in the future, put a wager on this cornerback class, Stingley versus Gardner versus McDuffie. Deal. You come up with what the metrics are. There, there will be Vizzies wagered all around. The Vizzies, free Vizzies probably from the sponsor. And I get the number 15. I get the first of the Eagles picks. And has anybody figured out why the Eagles made that trade with the Saints? Have we decided what happened there yet? I've got the Eagles on the board next, so I don't know. No, I, they, they had three picks and they traded one to the Saints. So the Saints now have two. But just, that's a reminder. We didn't talk about this at the top of the show. We do not trade picks in ours. Everybody just you, you pick with what you had, to the, what you came to the draft with. So we don't trade picks. The Eagles, a lot of needs here. Safety, running back, offensive line, wide receiver. I don't really love the safeties here in the first round once you get past Hamilton. I was kind of hoping he would fall here, but I didn't think it was going to happen, but it would have been nice. Offensive line. I'm kind of it's got to be offense. There's a lot of great wide receivers in this class, but is that too high for the Eagles? This may be another reach, but I think if he's sitting there and you're the Eagles, you don't necessarily need an outside offensive lineman, but somebody to hold down the middle as a center or a guard. So I'm going to take Tyler Linderbaum, the offensive lineman from Iowa. Interior offensive linemen are not a real high priority pick, but you listen to people talk and they think of him as one of the most consensus all around best players, just pure talent in this draft. And if he's sitting right there, you're the Eagles. Maybe your other higher priority positions, there's nobody real great, uh, no real great options. So go with Linderbaum there as your first of two first round picks. Yeah, he's going to be great. I, I'm not sure he'll go that early, but he's going to be great. Whatever team gets him is going to be happy with him. It's an interesting uh, topic because as you guys have been saying, centers aren't really that hot of a commodity, which you know initially seems kind of strange that that'd be an important spot, but they're not taken high. But if you can get a guy who's, some people think will be all pro level type of center. It seems you'd want to take him if you can get him and not pass and take on, you know, someone else at a different offensive line position that might be hit or miss a little bit more where we're at in the draft. So it's interesting to see where he goes. Um, you know, I think most people probably say he's gonna be more in the twenties, but I don't think you're going to be upset if your team drafts him and he turns out to be what people think he can be this high. Yeah, and you look at what the Cowboys did. You get the interior lineman set up, and you can go a long way. Speaking of those aforementioned Saints, Shannon at the midway point of the draft, number 16, the New Orleans Saints. If if you appreciate the art of gambling, go and, and spend all of your money on the first wide receiver taken this pick because we have not taken one yet, and it will certainly come off the board before we get here. So. Uh, that's why that's why this doesn't work perfectly. But if if you're the, and you're sitting here and Garrett Wilson's on the board, you're drafting him. You're turning in the card in 30 seconds. So give me Garrett Wilson out of Ohio State. He's the best wide receiver on the board. Uh, he's he's a great playmaker. He will go to the Saints if he is still available at this pick. I'm going to call it right now. There will be at least three wide receivers in this class who have better careers than Garrett Wilson. Wow. I I I'm. I think Chris Olave was the best wide receiver at Ohio State this year. I think these guys were the second and third best guys at Ohio State this year. And the best one's still there. Is it the Harrison one? The guy that had 4,000 yards in the Rose Bowl? <laughs> yeah. Without the other two guys there? Yeah, that guy. I thought it was Marvin Harrison's son, maybe. No, I don't think. Forgetting the name right now. I'm going to have to look it up now. But, you know, it's kind of like Ohio State, what are they going to do without these two guys playing in the Rose Bowl? And then it's, oh, their offense is even better than they were with them because they're just going to throw it to this one guy the entire game. And Which no one's going to stop them. Was it Jamison Williams that was also at Ohio State and then transferred to Alabama? 
thought one of those Alabama uh, guys started at Ohio State. Yes, that was Jamison Williams. Really? I yeah. didn't know that. Because yeah. they needed another receiver at Ohio State, so they should have had him. Or go to Alabama that had John Mechie and Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell. And... Which was somehow a step back in their receiver that they normally have. All right. So you've got the Chargers, number 17. All right. So see here, Jackson Smith, Najibia, Najaba, I don't know how to say his name. That's the Ohio State receiver they still have. Sure. 95 catches this year. Anyway. Jackson um, Smith and Jigba. Najiba, yeah. Well, yeah, Jackson. <laughs> we'll call him Jax. That's, that's my name for him because I don't want to say that. Anyway, the Chargers are such an interesting team because for the last, what, decade, it seems like they're underachieving every single year. Um, lots of talent, lots of people around. Um, they could use some help on the offensive line. They have a few good guys. They have a spot or two open. Um, you know, if any of those guys who've already picked have fallen this far, um, not Linderbaum, but the other two, the other three tackles, if any of them are still around, I say they go with them, but those guys are gone. Um, they have two good receivers. There's maybe a third spot open where, you know, again, if Garrett Wilson was still there, I would say absolutely they're going to take him, get a third receiver there, um, get that offense to score a billion points. Um, you know, defensive line needs some help. Um, specifically on the interior, they got all the pass rushers in the world. What can they get on the interior? Jordan Davis, you know, he's gone. The guys after that, I don't feel great about taking them yet. Um, so I think I'm going to go back to receiver and say, we're just going to try and outscore everybody. Cause now you look at who the teams are playing and the AFC West, you got quarterbacks all over the place. Um, great offenses. You know, you got Davante Adams. Now the Raiders, Russell Wilson, the Broncos, like let's score some points. The Chargers already do a good job of that, but let's try and make their offense as good as can possibly be. Um, so who, who do you take that's left of this? Um, you know, there's a handful of guys and I'm going to take Jamison Williams and I'm going to say, we're going to try and have him just burn everybody all the time and run past everybody. And he's a real guy that's going to make some huge plays. And then we'll have the other core receivers be the guys that gets, the hundred catches. Um, but I think that he could help take their offense to a new next level of just having some of those huge plays that he makes um, that we saw with that Alabama this year. Um, I don't really know if you can go wrong with some of these other top receivers. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to say that he is going to be the best of all these, but I think he'd fit really well. And with who they already have under a roster. So maybe he's not the best receiver, but I think he fits with what the chargers have to make another spot there. I think Jamison Williams is fantastic. I just, said, I don't think Garrett Wilson, Wilson would be one of the tops. There's Jameson Williams and another guy who we'll get to that I think are the two best wide receivers in this class. The ACL injury in the national title game really hurts him. Otherwise, I think he was probably a top 10 caliber player. Still think he'll be a great pro in the NFL. And he goes to the Chargers where he doesn't need to be the star right away. You've got Keenan Allen there. You've got other guys who can be the targets. He can have time to get worked in. So it seems like a great fit. I agree with you. If Jordan Davis falls to the Chargers, that is a match made in heaven. But if they can't get him another wide receiver in a place where he can learn and develop would be great. At number 18, I get another pick for the Eagles. And again, not their biggest area of need, maybe kind of the third or fourth area that I think for them. I'm going to keep the run on wide receivers going with the one that I think is the best in this class. Out of Arkansas, Traylon Burks, I think he is the class of the wide receivers here. People have compared him to Juju Smith-Schuster, Debo Samuel. I think he fits in that realm with those guys. I think Traylon Burks and Jamison Williams in five years, we're going to look back and see those guys as the two top ones in this class. So the run on wide receivers, three in a row, number 18, the Eagles with Traylon Burks. So let's be hypothetical here for a moment. You could trade this pick and get Debo Samuel, or you could take Traylon Burks with this pick. What would you do? What's the what's that saying? Uh, the, the bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Am I using that properly here? I don't think I understand that saying. If that is the saying you're looking for, <laughs> I've heard it. Still not sure I understand it. I think I would trade it for Debo Samuel because I know what I'm getting with Debo Samuel. I may it's it's the L.A. Rams philosophy where I may love Traylon Burks and what he has to work with, but I, I like having the proven commodity who's still in his prime. Because I, I would certainly take Debo Samuel over Trey Lewis. You just put them in the same category. That's why I asked the question. 
that's that was his that was his pro player comp. Like I don't think there's a Jamar Chase in this class, but who day? We'll get to them. All right, you are on the board with the Saints, who just two picks earlier we gave them a wide receiver. Now what do the Saints do? Uh, they beef up the offensive line, and since since you guys are sleeping on Tyler Smith, I'm going to take him here and give him a home. I don't give think people know who that is. Okay, so so he's out of Tulsa. He's raw, but he is flipping huge. Put him on the line. Give him a chance to learn how to play. So uh, maybe maybe some would see that as a reach. Maybe not. But I'm taking Tyler Smith out of Tulsa. This is where we're getting to that point of where do people rank the offensive linemen? Somebody like a Smith, you've got Zion Johnson, Kenyon Green, Trevor Penning, Darian Kennard. These guys are moving all over the place, and I think that's the highest I've seen somebody take Tyler Smith. So while these guys are bouncing like ping pong balls in people's rankings, it's a, you could look like a savant if he goes that early. The, the Saints have done that for a lot of years. They'll take somebody that you've never heard of, and that, that the biggest one is on the D-line. His name escapes me a few years ago. They took somebody that nobody had ever heard of, and it worked out pretty well as a defensive end. Well, they got Trey Hendrickson was there, Cam Jordan. One of the cams. I never remember Cam Jordan or Cam Hayward. One of them was there. I I mean, I could have argued that taking Trevor Penning might have been worth it. Um, obviously, he's he's from UNI, so an Iowa person, and, and you cheer for him. Um, but for for me taking the Saints, I'm gonna, I'm going to take the giant, the raw giant. So for for giving them some offensive help since they have already taken Garrett Wilson. To round out the top 20, Kevin, you've got the Steelers. So the Steelers, I think it really comes down to, especially with who's left on this board, are they actually sold on Trubisky at being a quarterback for the foreseeable future? Or is that just someone they have that is going to fill the gap? Um, You know, I don't, I do not love any quarterback in this draft. Um, you know, a first round pick, I feel kind of nervous on any of them. Um, you know, you, the receivers, you have three guys that are okay at starting, but like there's no one there who's your guy. And if you can get a person to become the guy at receiver, then maybe you can get a receiver or a quarterback next year or, you know, somewhere else, free agency, whatever it is. Um, you know, it's hard taking a receiver because they have three guys that can be starters already. Um, but I'm not sure they're guys who are going to be a long-term to make you a great offense. They don't, the Steelers don't look at all ready to win this year in their division or in the AFC. So I think it's looking at building for the future. So I'll take Chris Olave. Let's get the receivers going, build up that offense at other positions. That's look a little bit better now than what we have at quarterback. Olave feels like, go ahead. The, the Steelers are going to take Malik Willis. If he's still there. I actually thought they maybe would trade up. That could be a place where the Seahawks are trading down and the Steelers trade up. They're in love with Malik Willis, and they're not shy about that. So uh, I'll be excited to see what the Steelers do if Chris Olave and Malik Willis are on the board at this pick. If you have heard that they are in love with him, that means they are definitely not in love with him and they're in love with somebody else. <laughs> is, there any, is there any other NFL quarterbacks around Pittsburgh? There might be one. Who has tiny hands? Yeah, tiny little baby hands. Yeah, that. Well, that's all I think of when I hear Kenny Pickett's name. And go back nine months. I'm the biggest Kenny Pickett truther on this podcast, by the way. I'll have to go listen to some of the archives. All right. So to recap our top twenty here, before we get to the Patriots at twenty-one, we had. uh, Sorry, we start with number eleven. The Commanders took Kyle Hamilton, the safety. The Vikings getting George Karloftis, the defensive end. The Texans take Derek Stingley, a cornerback. The Ravens take Trent McDuffie at cornerback. The Eagles with Tyler Linderbaum. The Saints with Garrett Wilson. The Chargers with Jamison Williams, back-to-back wide receivers. The Eagles with their second pick at Trey Burks for the third straight wide receiver. The Saints for their second pick go with Tyler Smith, the offensive tackle. And then the Steelers, Chris Olave, another wide receiver. And a very different wide receiver for them. You have the giant that is Chase Claypool. You lost Juju Smith going to Kansas City, and then you have um, what's his name who drops everything, uh, Johnson. Deontay so Johnson. Deontay Johnson. The so a very different wide receiver in Chris Olave for the Steelers. 
The Patriots at 21. What do I think the Patriots need? Ooh, this. The Patriots, I think, need a linebacker. I think Dante Hightower is gone. Jamie Collins is gone. I think they need to refresh. And there are two stud linebackers in this class that I like both of them equally. You have Nicobe Dean, who is kind of the leader of that Georgia defense. You think how great that Georgia defense was. He was he was the brains behind that team. People are going to say he's small. He's listed at 5'11", 229. Conversely, Devin Lloyd, 6'3", 237. So two very different players. Both, I think, are very, very smart, instinctual, athletic players. So it's really what does Belichick like? And call me crazy, but I, for whatever reason, I can't really give you concrete analysis, but I feel like Devin Lloyd just feels like a better Bill Belichick fit watching Utah wreck people this year, and he was leading that squad. So give me Devin Lloyd, the linebacker out of Utah to the Patriots. That's who I had written down, actually, Darren, when I went through and kind of penciled out who might be available at every pick. And next to the Patriots, I was the first possible pick. If he's there, they're going to take him. He's a tremendous player coming out of a great system. He's well coached. Uh, Belichick knows what he's getting with him, and, and he's a game changer. So I agree with your pick 100%. I think the Patriots would be pretty happy if they had both those guys there to choose from. I um, can't see both of those guys going before 20. So it seems like if middle linebacker is really what they want, they'll get one one pretty good guy. And that's a, that's another fun DraftKings pick. I think they have first linebacker taken. You get interesting numbers between Dean and Lloyd. And number 22, the first of their two picks, the Green Bay Packers to Shannon. The one clarifier to this pick would be if the Packers make a trade for Debo Samuel, um, it has become aware that he, he just wants to be a full-time wide receiver. That's why he's asking for a trade. He's sick of being the gadget guy. Uh, that being said, let's say the Packers don't trade for him because they have no money. Uh, they've given it all to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Drake London is the pick here, and let me tell you why. He's he's going to compete with Garrett Wilson as being the number one wide receiver in this draft class. And the Packers have said they're committed to helping Aaron Rodgers win another Super Bowl. If Drake London's on the board, he's the pick for the Packers. Here's a question for you two. Two wide receivers that I've heard tied to the Packers or just anybody for trade talks. Debo Samuel or DK Metcalf? Who'd you rather have? Debo. Kevin's nodding in silence in agreement. Yeah, I'd probably take Debo as well. I can't say I disagree with you. I just didn't expect all three of us to agree. All right. And so this is where a draft gets out of order because I had to kind of manipulate it so that these two could pick their favorite players. So I am back here at 23 with the Cardinals. And... We're doing this under the assumption that Kyler Murray is happy and goes back there. So that could totally wreck everything if they, if Kyler Murray is not happy and they can't get his deal figured out. But assuming he does and that all works out, I think this team needs defensive linemen. Chandler Jones is gone. J.J. Watts up there in age. There's a guy. It's, it's very interesting. There's a guy I really want to take here, but I'm not sure what shape he's in. I'm going to go with the high upside, the high ceiling guy. And I'm going to go David Ojabo, who was <clears throat> at the end of the season had flown into the top 20 uh, out of Michigan and we saw him wreck people in the Ohio state game, but then the uh, torn Achilles, torn ACL, at whichever at his pro day and now plummeting down boards. But I think the, the excitement around Ojabo is there to be a, a very high ceiling guy. It's going to be David Ojabo to the Cardinals. I was wondering where you'd go between him and boy Mafe and, and you being a Michigan homer, it kind of makes sense to take Ojabo there. You're welcome. Yeah, I don't. I, I there's a couple of Minnesota players on here that seem to be a lot more sizzle than steak. We need to see a little bit more performance out of before I'm willing to take either of the two of them. And our wonky order continues with Shannon getting the Cowboys. What does America's team do? I was a little shocked you didn't keep them for yourselves on this one. Um, so Jerry Jones, as you know, is is quite unpredictable, and he likes bright, shiny things. Uh, He's also an Arkansas Razorback. And so if Traylon Burks falls this far, which is possible, he's going to take him um, just out of uh, pride and loyalty to the university. Since Traylon Burks is gone, there's no Amari Cooper. CeeDee Lamb is the clear number one. He's a great, a great receiver. Uh, the, the Cowboys think that they're going to win the Super Bowl, so they're, they're very happy with their team. It's just a matter of getting another, another playmaker so I've, I've tossed around a few names here, uh, and I'm going to land on Jahan Dotson out of Penn State. 
they went with Micah Parsons last year, so they clearly trust the feedback that they're getting out of that coaching staff. A former teammate will attest to the work ethic, the type of person that Dotson is. Um, so, so they're going to go back to that Penn State well and take Jahan Dotson. An interesting pick for them. He seems to be more kind of that small possession guy. Kind of you remember what they had with Cole Beasley, somebody to kind of offset the big power and speed guy that C.D. Lamb is. But if he can work underneath and be that possession, catch all those short in routes and crossing routes for them, could be a great fit. And I, I think a bit of a reach, but a lot of people are excited about Jahan Dotson's potential. It, it is a potential pick. Um, I kind of thought of like a Danny Amendola as a comp. Uh, you made a good one there with Cole Beasley as well. But yeah, he's a playmaker that they could add and, and somebody that can get open. And to pick 25, the reason that I manipulated the draft order, so these guys could pick their favorite teams. The captain of the Bills Mafia, Kevin, 25. What is Buffalo? What's the plan attack? What are you hearing from all the insiders that you are on Twitter with? So last year when I did this pick, I said you have to do it in with mind of who you need to beat. You need to beat the Chiefs, and I probably took like a secondary guard. Maybe I took a pass rusher. That may have been who it was. Um, that you need to think about who you have to beat and how you're going to get there because they're they're on the clock for winning a championship. There's no, maybe even not no next year. They got Von Miller. Um, you know, they're, they've gotten some more veteran guys. Like they're ready to win now. It's not even a year or two and down the road. So who can you have to win now? There's one cornerback spot that's open. Um, you know, where we're at now with cornerbacks, I'm not sure any of those guys would be that are left or for sure. Yeah. Let's take them. Um, you know, receivers, I think there's some okay receivers out there. I'm, I'm okay with the receiving core now, um, where I think they have to go. And it's always the tricky thing to take. You have to take a running back. Um, they cannot run short distances whatsoever. They make Josh Allen do it. You cannot have him keep running over and over and over from the goal line or third and one, fourth and one, and just have him keep taking hits over and over and over again when you should have a running back that can do that. Um, and one thing that just one game that has stuck in my mind for a very long time was at Tennessee last year, probably Monday night, Sunday night, something like that. They got down to the goal line and they needed like one yard and they couldn't do it on like two straight quarterback runs. Josh Allen slipped and fell on like fourth down. They lost that caused them to drop in the standings in the AFC lost home field advantage in the round. They lost to the chiefs in, they should have been a home game for them. And that's, that's going to cost you games. It's going to cost you games in the playoffs. They need a running back. There's two running backs. I think that are worthy of the first round pick. Um, there might be some, another one who's okay. That can maybe be a, a good solid player right away. And you can make him in the second round, but I'm going to take a running back and I'm trying not to be a homer with this, mm-hmm. but I'm going to be, I'm going to take Brees Hall. Yeah. Um, you know, him and Kenneth Walker, I, I think you cannot go wrong with either one. Um, and if the bills take either of those two, I will be happy. Um, I'll be more happy if it's Brees Hall for personal reasons. Um, but I'll be happy either way. I think that's what they need to do. Cause they, they need to win. Now the running back, he might not last a long time, but you don't need to build for the future. You don't need extra depth at where we're at. We need a running back because the running back, the running game is sad, especially in short distance plays that can't stand. You can't, you can't win with that. And they got to stop making Josh Allen run so much. I, you would buy the Jersey that night. I know that much. Uh, I might order it now. I might even better. a custom jersey, get Hall on it. Let's get going. The other thing with running backs is if you draft them in the first round, you get control for five years. And then you, you don't have to pay them a second contract. Uh, if, you, if you wait until the second round, paying them after three years, and, and then you're like, oh, man, do I like him enough to pay him? Whereas if you get them for that five years, you get that fifth-year option. You really get to decide as a team, like, yeah, we, I mean, we – we rode them into the ground and now we're going to get another one and not pay them that second contract. So from a business perspective, it's smart to take a running back in the first round. As long as that's the missing piece, the Texans aren't taking a running back in the first round because they have 20 holes on their team. The bills could just beef up their running back. So it makes sense for them to take Brees Hall in the first round. Yeah, And I agree with all that. I think the bills are one of the few teams that really need to take. There's about three teams who I would call running back a premium need for them. I would throw Isaiah Spiller in there. I think it's Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, and Isaiah Spiller are the top three and with Walker and 
Hall even a cut above. Absolutely, Buffalo needs to take a running back. So while it is feels risky to take a running back in the first round when you're as a complete team as Buffalo is, it's a nice icing on the cake for them. I don't know where Isaiah Spiller is supposed to go, and I agree that he's number three in the draft. Um, but if, you know, those three guys are gone by your second pick, and you're looking for a running back and then take one in the first round. I don't think you could get one that's much of an upgrade over Devin Singletary, at least this year. No. Um, so I, I, I don't think you can wait just given where they're at in the drafting order to wait past all the way to the second round, yeah. you know, maybe Isaiah Spiller will be there and he's probably serviceable and he might be an upgrade. Um, but I think these two guys are, are who you want at number 26, my pick for the Tennessee Titans and a team that I think needs to get better in the trenches a lot like Buffalo where they really don't have that many needs. Uh, but just kind of adding some depth, maybe filling some small holes, I'm going to look at the offensive line here. A couple of guys I'm torn between, but I'm going to go with I'm going to go with the guy out of Boston College, Zion Johnson. I think he's a little bit more mobile, kind of a tweener. Probably see him moving inside in the NFL, but I wouldn't be shocked if they try him at one of the tackle positions if they need him to step in there. Feels like a very uh, movable chess piece you can move all over the board. So give me Zion Johnson offensive tackle to the Titans. I will take your bet, and uh, the Titans will be a quarterback with this pick no faith in Ryan Tannehill has nothing to do with faith in Ryan Tannehill it has everything to do with getting a quarterback on a rookie contract for a good team and getting rid of Tannehill next year why don't the Vikings do that they don't like money they like to probably have some guaranteed money wrapped up in uh in Kirk Cousins that uh no one's going to want to take from them so they'd be paying them either way and Kevin back on the board at number 20, uh, number 27 for the Buccaneers, who when it looked like everybody was going to jump ship after Tom Brady half retired, now that Tom Brady came back, they didn't lose many people. So the Buccaneers kind of forget how close they probably were to winning the Super Bowl again last year. Um, tons of injuries throughout the regular season. They were probably still missing a number of guys in the postseason. And you're kind of looking through the roster. Okay, where's a, where's a hole? Who can they get to kind of fill a gap? And there is not a lot of gaps, um, you know, especially in Dominican Sue might come back. Grant could come back. Like those are positions that are needs for them. If those guys don't come back, but if they do come back, um, it's very limited. One, one place they might be able to use somebody is that offensive guard. Um, you know, there's, there's two guys who are probably first round candidates. One is gone. So I'm going to go with the other guy. I think they're kind of, um, toss up either one I don't think is much better than the other I think they're still both solid guys so I'll go take Kenyon Green Texas A&M for the Buccaneers um, get that offensive line full full and ready to go to protect senior citizen Tom Brady and that makes a lot of sense I believe they lost Ali Marpet is he the one that retired this year from their from their team and fantastic offensive line but losing him if they can get somebody who can step right in and be a day one starter at guard be exactly what Tom Brady Tom Brady needs and Tom usually uh, has some good input on his position. So offensive line is usually high priority, right? When he came, Tristan Wirfs drafted right away, first round. Um, he's probably letting them know that they need to to get the offensive line be as good as possible. So that might be another part of this. And Shannon back in here, getting the second, got both of the Packers picks, gave him a wide receiver last time. This time it's hard because of who's still available. I was originally thinking offensive line and Trevor Penning would have obviously been scouted by the Packers and same could be said for Bernard Raymond out of central Michigan. Uh, They, they both have been scouted and also knowing the Packers, they look at the best player available may want Trevor Penning where I I was kind of leaning that way, but knowing there's a better player on the board, uh, the, the Packers go defense here and take N'Kobe Dean, the linebacker from Georgia. I was wondering where Dean would fall because he's definitely better than the 28th overall player. Just interesting. I was curious how the cookie would crumble with him. It's, it's really hard to think he'll be there at that pick, but if he is, that's what the Packers should do. And it, it feels like the best player available. They lost one of the Smiths, I'm pretty sure. So getting a linebacker is a smart pick for them. Kevin technically getting two picks back to back, but they are for the same team. You get the two picks for the chiefs kingdom. So the chiefs, they need 
they need definitely help on defense. Um, you know, losing Tyreek Hill, you kind of get the, well, how do we replace him? And they've gotten guys who um, might be able to play. So, I mean, Juju, he can be good at times. Who knows how good he'll be. Um, Valdez Scantling from the Packers has his moments where he can be a pretty good deep threat. Um, you know, Mikko Hardman still, they could be okay and they might be good and working with, you know, having Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey to help spread the defense all around. Those guys might be good enough. Um, they'll probably take a receiver at some point. I'm not sure if that's going to be in the first round because the defense is starting to get a lot of holes in various places over there. Um, so I need to kind of fill in some gaps there. So I'll start with cornerback. Um, I'll take a guy from Clemson, Mr. Andrew Booth, for their first pick. And then it's kind of fun getting two picks in a row. So who are we going to go from there? Um, I'm going to take Logan Hall. He's a defensive end from Houston. He's a big guy. Um, I believe he played inside some as well just because of uh, his size. But he's more of a defensive end. But if you can get a guy that maybe can play a couple positions and give you some snaps to different spots, um, I think that could be a big benefit as you're trying to fill multiple holes with one guy that can move around a little bit. So I think that would be nice having that versatility. So I'll take him as well. I'm still mad at Houston defensive linemen because I thought Ed Oliver was going to be the second coming of Warren Sapp, and that has not happened yet. Uh, Andrew Booth. Andrew Booth has been a top 20 player every ranking I've looked at since like October. I have not once heard anybody talk about him. He's just, he's there. He's a top 20 player. People like him, but all the talk about all these guys moving up and down and how this draft analysis you hear, I've not heard a single person talk about Andrew Booth in depth. Other than that. Oh yeah. He's good. The uh, steadiness, like the calm, you just know it's, Maybe like a duck on the water. It's just there, but the feet's just going like crazy. That's the talk about Andrew Booth. He's a good player. All I right, like Mr. Reference. <laughs> it sounded very like karate kid type. All right. The second to last pick, Mr. Hooday, your Bengals with a rare 31st overall pick. Yeah, they probably haven't had 31st overall pick uh, since the 80s when there was only 30 teams and they got the first pick coming back in the second round. Very nice. Thank you. I've been practicing that one. All right. Uh, the, the one thing that I've learned about the Bengals over the years is nothing they do makes sense unless it falls into their lap. For example, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Then it makes sense because they fell into their lap. Uh, as, as you look at who's left on the draft board, I do want to talk a little bit about wide receivers. Um, you notice how much insane amount of money wide receivers have gotten this offseason, and it's only going to get worse. So as, as you start to think about who's getting paid, uh, wide receivers are now like running backs where do you, do you draft a guy so that you have him under control for five years in the first round? And, and I'm not saying that's what the Bengals are going to do. They, they're loaded at wide receiver. They don't need to take a first-round wide receiver. But I wonder if the Chiefs would take a wide receiver there. Um, Sky Moore would be the one available. And not that he replaces Tyreek Hill, but they, it gives them another wide receiver with a fifth-year option. And so I just wonder if we do see Sky Moore enter the back end of that first round for the fifth year of control on his contract. Um, taking a look at who's still on the board here, if if you're the Bengals and and maybe you need some, some help defensively, we could look at two players here. And I, I'm looking between Dax Hill and Devontae Wyatt as both being available. Dax Hill is a safety. Uh, Devontae Wyatt is up front. He's a defensive lineman. He's 300 pounds. Uh, you build from the inside out what the Bengals did off in the off season is they got free agents on the offensive line. They clearly get the foundation comes from the inside. So if, if you're the Bengals here, you take Devonte Wyatt, the defensive lineman out of Georgia uh, to maybe put the finishing touches on that defense. Have they done anything with the offensive line? Yeah. Two free agents. Uh, 
I'm trying to remember the names. Darren, you probably have that. Yeah. Uh, I remember thinking about this earlier because when I looked at my needs for the Bengals, I just automatically assumed it was going to be offensive line. And then you actually go look at it. And you're like, oh, the Bengals signed some guys. Yeah, they paid uh, yeah, two. Offensive line, you would automatically assume. Who'd they, uh, they, did they get Lyle Collins from Dallas? Uh, yes. And, and Alex Kappa. Kappa. Yes. Kappa is the other one. Yeah. So you've got, you've got Jonah Williams, who's a young guy, I think, can anchor the left tackle. You mentioned Lyle Collins, Alex Kappa. Did they just get Ted Karras this year from the Patriots at the center? Or did they have him for a while? Uh, he might be another signing, actually. So that would be an entirely new center and right side of your offensive line. Jackson Carmen was a highly touted guy out of Clemson. I think he was a second rounder a couple of years ago. He got replaced last year. But Time if, out. If, Jackson Carmen was another bonehead pick by that made no sense at the time. Continue. Okay. Yeah. So you had, you had Jackson Carmen, but yeah, Lael Collins, Ted Karras, and Alex Kappa kind of makes you feel like offensive line is not their biggest need anymore. You know, had you watched the Super Bowl, you'd think so, but they kind of went the Chiefs route from last year. The Chiefs went and signed every available offensive lineman who's going to fix their offensive line. It's weird to think that the Bengals don't really have holes the way they used to. You kind of look at their roster, and there's not a whole lot of real glaring issues as long as they fix that offensive line. You're right. They they got a ton of good players. They've done some nice things the past couple of years. Having a lot of nice young players allows you to have that money to go get free agents and quickly change over an entire unit. So that is a nice nice luxury to have when you got those young guys. So to recap here before we get to the last pick. Uh, back to 20, the Steelers took Chris Olave, the wide receiver, the Patriots, 21, Devin Lloyd, linebacker, the Packers, finally picking a wide receiver in the first round, Drake London, the Cardinals, David Ojabo, defensive end, the Cowboys, Jahan Dotson, a wide receiver, the Bills, the only running back so far, Brees Hall, the Titans, Zion Johnson, offensive lineman, the Buccaneers, Kenyon Green, offensive lineman, the Packers, second pick, getting Nakobe Dean, the linebacker, the Chiefs, back-to-back picks, get Andrew Booth, a cornerback, Logan Hall, a defensive tackle, and you just heard the Bengals taking Devontae Wyatt, a defensive tackle. My last pick here, the Lions getting their second pick in the first round. I think defensive tackle was their biggest need. They got that with Trayvon Walker earlier. I think you're looking wide receiver, offensive line, or cornerback here. Uh, you got Bernard Raymond keeping the Michigan guy there. George Pickens, who I'm a huge George Pickens fan, but the injury may cause them to be a little bit leery, and maybe you could wait and get him a little bit later. And then cornerback, I don't know if you're going to reach for an Elam or uh, somebody like a Darion Kendrick, who I really like. I think I'm going to go with the safest pick here, a guy who people have loved in the post, uh, you know, the combine in the pro days, senior bowl, and keeping the guy in Michigan, we'll call him a hometown hero. Bernard Raymond out of Central Michigan goes to the linemen, uh, goes to the Lions to bolster that offensive line. Yeah, it's hard to miss with the Lions on picking any position. Probably pretty safe. Yeah. I think they're another team who's quietly done a decent job filling some holes this offseason where they gave a bunch of money to veterans who are not going to live up to the hype. But the Lions always plenty of holes to fill. So looking back, only one quarterback taken in the first round, and that was me with my Matt Corral pick that you guys didn't like. So I thought interesting that Pickett or Howell or Malik Willis didn't pop up looking at some of the other big guys. Daxton Hill out of Michigan. I know a lot of people like, I've not quite got the hype on him. Uh, Trevor Penning and Boye Mafe, two highly touted guys. A lot of people like Arnold Epikiti, Epikiti, the guy out of Penn state. Um, looking at some of the other names, Sky Moore, we talked about a little bit. Chad Muma, a lot of people love. DeMarvin Leal's a guy who's kind of fallen. Leo Chanel's a guy on his way up. Um, Nick Benito, I really like. Drake Jackson, I think, will be great. Um, I guess any anything else draft-related? I know we're well over our hour. You guys have places to be. But anything else draft-related we need to get to before the big day, a week from Thursday night? I got two things. One, I'm excited to see what happens with these quarterbacks. We only took one. And I don't feel like I can remember an offseason leading up to the draft where so many backup quarterbacks were traded or picked up to be what appears to be starters for the next season. Like we have this year, like guys who didn't hardly play at all last year, guys who are truly backups um, that look like they're going to be starters. Is that because nobody likes these quarterbacks and they needed somebody and that's all they can get? Or was it kind of the guys who are going to be bridge guys for, because they have been starters in the past for a year or two, why they, they draft some of these guys and see if they work out or not. Um, 
it'll just be interesting to see because a lot of these quarterbacks just kind of all seem feel the same that you just don't know. And I don't know if teams know for sure either. So they got a lot of insurance policies um, or maybe there's not going to take quarterbacks in the first round. We'll see. And then the other part, two receivers, I'm excited to see what Christian Watson from North Dakota state does. Um, I think he can be really good, but it's, it's one of those guys who, if he completely flops, I wouldn't be surprised either compared to most of the guys that we've taken. So I don't think he's probably a first round pick just because of that. Um, and Wandell Robinson from Kentucky, the uh, Nebraska, he is an exciting guy to watch. He's probably not going to be your number one receiver, the guy that you would take to be your go-to guy. But if you already have guys and he can just kind of be like your third or fourth option, he can be pretty exciting to watch, make big things happen. And so I think he probably can go higher than you might think he would just because he can really help fill out a team, but he's not going to be that top guy. So he's probably not going to be a first round guy, but I think you'll have a, a good solid career doing what he does. The the couple things that I want to mention is I, I think we probably missed four players. So the, the easy thing to say is what four are you putting in the first round? The hard thing to say is what four are coming out. I believe Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis go in the first round on top of that. Uh, Boy Mafe defensive end, and then Dax Hill, the safety that, Dax Hill is too good of a player to not go in the first round. So I, I think those four are going to go, we'll go back and see how the draft plays out and, and see kind of where we missed as far as players, what players did we draft that don't get taken first round. And the other thing is uh, I was given the opportunity to watch the Pat McAfee show during the draft last year and would strongly recommend that over ESPN or NFL network just because those guys are hilarious and it was really fun to watch. So not saying you have to stay glued to it for the three hours, but at least check it out for a little bit and listen to what the Pat McAfee show does during the draft. I, I, I will take your word for it. I've tried to get into the McAfee show before, mostly because he was interviewing Brock Lesnar and it was, it was a bit of a chore to get through, but I will try to check in on it. All right. Well, there you have it, our NFL mock draft first round. We love doing this show, and it's fun to see the different thought process that we all have. And I'm sure if we all three of us did this, nobody would have the exact same mock draft. A fun little exercise. And next Thursday night, the NFL mock draft live from Cleveland. Is it in Cleveland this year? Did I just stream that? I like it. I like it now that they move it around, and it's not just in New York. Uh, So a fun night, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, all the NFL you could ever want. Thank you all for joining us on this week's episode. We will see you on the next episode of the Sports Gospel.